All right, folks. Something different for you this week. Like I said in the episode last week, we are taking a week off. So I wanted to re-release one of our old episodes for you. Um, This is one of my favorite episodes that we did. It is Hero Complex, Titan's Curse, Chapters 9 and 10. So some old, original Percy Jackson uh, series content for you. We will be back normally next week. um, But we're all on vacation this week. We're giving ourselves uh, a much-needed break. Um, So we wanted to make sure you still had some Return to Camp Half-Blood content while we were gone. So I wanted to remind you of one of my favorite episodes. Um, So feel free to enjoy this, check it out, and see you again next week. The Titan's Curse, Chapter 9, I Learned How to Grow Zombies. The thing about flying on a Pegasus during the daytime is that if you're not careful, you can cause a serious traffic accident on the Long Island Expressway. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. All right, folks, welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week we will be discussing The Titan's Curse, chapters 7 and 8. No, that's what we talked about last week. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) We'll be... (laughs) (laughs) We will be discussing chapters 9 and 10. I learned how to grow zombies and I break a few rocket ships through the theme of Hero Complex. Oh my lord, that that took me too many the takes. Is en- no, the theme is not envy. It's here. The theme is not envy. I also in the 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 last reading said envy, um, but it's not. That was last week's theme as well. Right. Anyways, Hero Complex chapters nine and ten. This is the Titan's Curse, not Harry Potter. How are we doing this week, folks? <laughs> How are you? I think I'm doing as well as you just showed you're doing. Same, actually. Then I'm very sorry for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're okay. We're doing. Okay. I say, like, actually, all things considered, I'm doing great because school's over. Not school's over, but like the semester's That's ended. Uh, grades the came in last night. Happen. We're chilling. We're preparing for winter term. Yeah, Ooh. I had to email a professor because mm-hmm. my grade was wrong. Oh um, no. Yeah, it was, uh, like, obviously the podcast doesn't care about this, but, like, I had to email my music theory professor because he didn't grade, like, seven assignments in my lab section, and it made my grade, like, nine points lower than it should have been. That's bad. So I had to email him and be like, hey, you didn't grade these, and now the final grade's in capstone, and it's wrong, so if you could... Excuse me, sir. Please give me a better grade. Yeah, he hasn't answered me yet, so hopefully we'll get that tomorrow. I'm sure. I'm sure. Anyways, I'm summarizing. Yes, you are. I did not write it down because honestly, there's too much shit in here. I'm just gonna try my best. Yes. And we'll. There's no way I could fit it into 30 seconds. Throw caution to the wind. Yep. (laughs) I will count you down then. Ten, nine. That much. Eight. Two, one, go. Okay, so Blackjack and Percy are on the run after this van. They go to Manhattan. Blackjack be flying, and then they land like near DC, um, and Blackjack leaves. 
and because Percy tells them to, uh, and then they settle in the Air and Space Museum, um, the, the, the team, and Percy's like following them. But he goes to a different museum that I can't remember the museum now and finds um, the general and Luke like hatching their master evil plan. And they know that the four on the quest are there. And I'll ding, keep ding, talking. And then he grows some saber tooth tigers, but not. And then he grows some skeleton <laughs> army men to go after them. And Percy um, gets himself caught. <laughs> by, um, and then he. Oh, she's going so far into overtime. <laughs> Well, I thought it, we're going to do this anyway, so I'm just going to go right. for it. Um, so then Percy finds them in the Air and Space Museum. They battle a lion. And then Zoe Nightshade's like, you're on the team, I guess. <laughs> so that's, yeah. I I mean, that was pretty thorough. Thank you. There's some I, nuances I missed, but I think it's okay. It was, it, and it's the, it's the Natural History Museum, right? I couldn't remember. The, yeah, I think it is. I'm probably sure. But they're in the the, the four in the Air and Space Museum. Or this, yeah, yeah. I don't know that Ava should know the museums. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably fair. But I read this a couple days ago, so I don't fully remember. Is it the Smithsonian? It. Oh, you know, it probably is. I think it's the Smithsonian. It's right there. I oh. mean, like, would be like that's classic of her. What do you mean? This is the Smithsonian, like classic, classic Smithsonian uh, moves. Sort of. <laughs> like yeah. she would, right? Yeah, she would house them, you know, for a for a battle. <laughs> All right, Ava, it's your turn to do uh, the songs for the playlist this week. Also, okay. no, I did finally add the link to the playlist to um, the description. So if you if you want to check it out. You can actually now, um, only on Spotify. Maybe Neve, can you like make? I'll send you the songs, and you can make a uh, Apple Music version, and then. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay, we'll have both covered eventually. At least, at least right now, there will be a Spotify one. We have Apple Music dominance in the hosts of the <gasps> podcast. Yes, we do. Because I use it too. But who's the one who writes the episode descriptions? <laughs> but but no, I'm. Just, it's just a moral thing. Where do you listen to your podcasts? Apple Podcasts. Okay, I was just curious. I w- was just curious that 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 sounded like I was attacking, but um, I know I was like I was just genuinely curious. Like I don't feel prominence in podcasting uh, platforms. <laughs> um, honestly, as long as it is actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say a hot take about where you listen to podcasts on our podcast because I would like you guys to still listen. <laughs> Every po- <laughs> every yes. every podcast platform is it's just valid. as is just as good. Yes, it's valid. Definitely. So songs, songs. Okay, I was proud of my picks this week. It took me a little while, um, but for the first, they're pretty literal though. <laughs> um, but for the first chapter, I um, picked "Radioactive" by Imagine Dragons because that is what the zombies are, and. I live by that. <laughs> I literally never thought any of my friends would ever be like Imagine, Imagine Dragons. Dragons. And it not be its time, because that's the only valid 
Imagine Dragons song. I don't, I don't really, I'm, I'm not, not involved with them in any way. That's a banger, but I'm not really. Absolute banger. It was just fully so on the radio that it is very. Also, I like friend, that. That's funny. One time, my friend was like, "Want to go to an Imagine Dragons concert with me?" And I was like, "Sure." And <laughs> we spent the entire time at the. Um, sorry, this is a side note. We spent the entire time at the, like there were pinball machines because the place that has concerts near me is like kind of like oldish and fun. Um, and I put up one penny into the pinball machine to give me unlimited games. Anyway, that's um, so fun. Radioactive. Isn't isn't the lead singer of Imagine Dragons a Mormon? Didn't this recently? I recently. I feel like I recently <laughs> saw like a TikTok about it or something. That's like the the lead singer of Imagine Dragons is Mormon, and like nothing else has ever made more sense. He's either like Mormon or uh, like a Jehovah's Witness. I like some some extreme, not extreme. I do like, remember hearing about that. Yeah, some super committed like religious denomination. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, I, write a, write in. Let us know what the uh, the religious affiliation of the lead singer of Imagine Dragons is. Um, it holds a lot of relevance to our Percy Jackson podcast. It really does. Um, and then my second song was "Team" by Lord. Um, just because they're you know they're finally because they're a team. They're finally they're a team. A team. <laughs> oh. I, I do. I still don't know how vague I can go yet or how like symbolic or whatever I can go yet. So I just, that's fair. I, so far we have like successfully been curating a, like a fairly emo sounding playlist. (laughs) And that is all I've ever wanted. Like not in all the literal senses, but like the sum of the whole is much more emo than not. Uh, which works for T- Titan's Curse. This is a very emo book. It is a pretty emo I agree. Rereading it, I'm like, wow, this is an emo book, isn't Th- it? Yeah. This is to draw this is like the, the Order of the Phoenix of the Percy Jackson books. I get that, but I don't think Order of the Phoenix is very emo. It's the one where Harry goes around the whole time complaining and being sad about everything. Like granted, like yeah, fairly, like he watches his friend die in front of him. Like yeah. PTSD, but that's the one with angsty Harry, and this is the one with like angsty Percy. I guess I just don't think of the events as like very. The events are not similar, but the vibes. Well, no, the vibes are, but I just meant in the Harry Potter book, I, f- I feel like the events aren't as emo. But in the Titans Curse, it's like snowy, dark military school. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That yeah. Agree. All right. I like couldn't. I don't know. I was reading these, and I was like, "Do I remember these?" I didn't. Like, I, I don't know. I, I have vague memories of them, but I don't remember them, like, really well, you know? I agree. I was like, okay, remember there being skeletons and being the lion. And, like, that's about it. Everything else was forgotten. Yeah. I just, like, generally remembered Skeleton Army and Mimi and Lion. And that was kind of it. But I, we had, I forgot about, like, I wrote down Social Justice Warrior Dionysus. Because, you know, in the beginning of these chapters, he's like, all these heroes abandoning women. And I was like, this is, like, strangely progressive for the character that you've been uh, set up to be so far. Yeah. I did forget about that little scene. It was interesting. Also, I was was raised a question. So, Mm -hmm. they rent out 
a room in the Smithsonian for a private event. Though I, I do wish it was a pirate event. He reads it wrong, and he's like, pirate event. Imagine he walks in. He's like, oh, I misread it. It's private event. Walks in. It's a bunch of, like, Greek pirates. He's I like, oh, pirate event. Pirate event. Um, anyways, so who was, like, who's in charge of renting out the private room? Like, who, is, hmm. who has that kind of money? I mean, like, real. I'm sure they, co- they can come up with money. They're, like, titans, and they have magic and stuff. But is, like, Luke sitting down and, like, emailing the Smithsonian? He's like, hi, we would like to book your main room for Thursday at 4. Uh (laughs) At this point, I feel like the Smithsonian probably is just chill with anything. Like, I I live close to it, for those of you, whatever. And um, I was a Girl Scout for a large portion of my life. And um, at one point, we did this thing where, like, a bunch of troops in the dmv area like we stayed at the smithsonian overnight and we had a bunch of like activities and stuff it was really cool i have a t-shirt from it um it has a big elephant on it but um so at that point like to have a bunch of like havoc just be wreaked in in your museum like i feel like they don't care what kind of witchy like <laughs> you know <laughs> is that a universal experience like sleeping in a museum like once during your childhood yes because i did it for girl scouts yes, i did it for, i did it for boy scouts really oh my god did the girl scouts and boy scouts of america have some weird hookup with like every single museum in the country because i feel like everyone has done that it's like I did one it of philadelphia though that was a universal experience but I'm I, I, I mean mine was the springfield museum like not a big museum not super exciting um, but like the biggest museum in Western Massachusetts. <laughs> so that was fun. There's a cool Dr. Seuss exhibit outside. Um, there's like statues and stuff. Uh, Dr. Seuss was born in Springfield. Um, and I, I live in a suburb of Springfield. Anyways, <laughs> I, I'm glad that we've all had the experience of sleeping in museums. Did anyone else sleep under a dinosaur? I slept under a whale. Yeah, it was the whale for me. (laughs) It's the whale for me. (laughs) It's the whale for me. But also, I don't think I slept very much. I agree. Because I was scared of sleeping under things because I didn't want them to fall on me. And then also, like, (laughs) it was that. And it was also, like, I thought everything was so cool all the time. And so, like, me and my, um, like, childhood best friend, like, we, oh, my God. We went everywhere. We did all the activities, just wandered around. Yeah. I feel the same way about museums. I don't like a big thing that's hanging that should not be able to be. Um, they talk about the Air and Space Museum, which I love the Air and Space Museum in DC. It is so yeah. cool. Um, they And they're talking about all like the hanging stuff in there. Could not be me standing under that. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I don't understand how a plane stays aloft when it works, much less when it's done working. <laughs> when it's when done working. <laughs> when it's retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, I'm really glad that all the hosts of Return to Camp Half-Blood have slept in a museum. <laughs> oh, how fun for us. I'll post a poll the day this episode goes up to see how many of our listeners ha- have slept in museum please answer it i literally guarantee you it will be all of them i, I hope it is I'm, I'm actually very curious and like if you haven't 
we will set it up for you. <laughs> yeah. We're not making that. Um, did you know Ava me? won't make that promise because she's scared, but I I'm will. not scared. <gasps> After pandemic times, I don't think we could set that up during a pandemic. Oh, true. I Did you guys sleep in a mall too? No, that oh. one was just you. That was just you. Okay. That sounds like... Uh, like burglary rate waiting to happen yeah i mean it'd probably be fun but it would be a burgle situation (laughs) a A burgle burgle no um it happened like well okay also wait was this not a coordinated thing no it was it was it was it was a girl scout thing but my mall is just very small (laughs) (laughs) like has everyone anyone ever been at the mall so long they just fall asleep and wake up the next day No, it was it was like a scheduled day where like a bunch of Girl Scout troops would come sleep at this um, mall near my house, and like it's a relatively small mall, so like I think that's how we pulled it off. Um, and like there was obviously security and and such, but no, no, nothing got stolen. As far as I know, I was also young. As someone who works in a restaurant that is in a mall. That sounds like hell to me. I love I've it. I've seen them all at night. I guess it's cool like the first time. After a while, it's just the place I work at night. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, long anyway. story short, I remembered not much. Something still related to museums. And so they talk about how the astronaut food is so bad that it kills the Nemean lion. But in my no. memory, the the ice cream, like astronaut ice cream, is very good. No, it wasn't the ice cream that killed the lion. I, I know, but the ice cream is disgusted, and then she, like, stabs the, the lion, but then she's like, but I think your ice cream sandwich did it. Ha ha. But the because joke... he got the lion to open his mouth. I know, but the joke is that the, that the astronaut food is bad. But I remember space ice cream being good. I don't think I've ever tried it, so I can't be... I can't say anything on this conversation. I was not a fan of it. Okay. I don't know. I haven't eaten it in so long. Uh, yeah, it, it's not Brayden allergy friendly. Um, so the last time I ate it was like... Like eighth grade, not eighth grade, like eight years old. Um, those are two different things. Okay, this is just something that confused me. So he puts the first teeth in the ground, and kit- kitties pop up. The cute little kittens. Great, cute. Saber toothed tiger makes little kitties. I understand. Then he p- takes the dragon, puts the dragon teeth in the ground. And some dudes pop up. What is what is this this mat? What are the rules to this magic? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I don't know if I was expecting you to be able to answer that for me, but <laughs> I think maybe it's like chemistry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Like, if you make salt, and then you have your salt ingredients plus, like, magnesium, it's not going to be salt. So, if you have the ground, 
which for example is the salt and then the ground with an ingredient that does nothing you get the kittens and then you have a different ingredient and then you get the people i i'm much more confused than i was <laughs> when i posed the question <laughs> i just think it's a different kind of chemical reaction but, like, the whole idea is, like, you put the bones in of the thing and then it comes out as proposed by the first incident. And then the second is you put the bones in of something and you get something else. Which, chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> which is chemistry. <laughs> apparently. All right. I'll trust you on that. I don't remember that much about chemistry. So I, I will trust you on this. Well, clearly I do. This this has not. I just I wrote this note down while I was listening to it, and I think it's really funny. Um, Nevian lion. I'm gonna log off the call tonight, guys. It was really really fun. <laughs> Can't wait to record in person so I can physically hit Brayden when he says <laughs> it like that. Um, have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause cause they said ne- Nemean Lion, and I was like, oh, I call Neve Neem, and then I was like, oh, Nevean Lion. <laughs> oh my god, I literally like didn't even think about that while I, was- I didn't either. That's funny. It's just because I I make no sense, but I thought it was cute. Yeah. Write in and tell us if you think that's cute. Right. Um, <laughs> call to action. Yeah, that's funny. Anything else we forgot, or do we move on to talking about our theme this week? I'm good. I'm good. All right. So, this week, we are talking about Hero Complex. And what is a Hero Complex? You might be wondering. Good question. I'm typing it into Google right now. (laughs) Are you getting the formal definition? I am getting the formal definition. Um... It's not in the dictionary, so there's no, like, good formal definition. But um, it is when someone strives to be the hero of a situation, no matter the situation or odds, they want to be the one to save the day. Uh, Part of this could be, like, creating a harmful situation uh, to objects or persons which they can resolve. So, like, they cause the problem so that they can create, like, can fix it. So that is what we are going to discuss today. Where did we see this in these chapters? The first thing that comes to mind for me is what Dionysus is talking about in the beginning. Mm. And he's like, I hate heroes because they manipulate people to get what they want and then they abandon them. I mean... Points were made. And I was going to say, I don't disagree with Dionysus. Yeah. (laughs) Which, wild, wild statement. But I was like, he's kind of right. I mean, I guess the question is, do we think Percy has a hero complex or not? It's tough because on the surface, just like, if you think about his actions, Sea of Monsters, he was not supposed to go on that quest. He decided to go anyways. This book, he was not supposed to go on that quest. And he was like, I'm taking it into my own hands. So 
on surface level, that sounds like a very hero complex thing to do. Just inserting yourself in these situations where you think that you can save the day better than anybody else. But when you go into like the deeper reasons why he does this, it makes it less hero complexy. If you think about Sea of Monsters, he was having empathy link dreams about Grover. So he knew where to, so he thought I should be on this quest because I know where to go. And I want to save my friend, you know, mm-hmm. which is a more rational, less selfish thing to do. And in this quest, he doesn't necessarily have the empathy link, but he wants to save Annabeth. And yeah, he it- he's doing it like both of these quests, he may be motivated by a hero complex but he also wants to save his friends and he knows the people going on the quest that's not their top priority like not in a bad way but like they just don't you know when they left the camp they assumed that annabeth was just gone (laughs) forever you know yeah he has a weird his need is not necessarily like he has to be the hero and his need is not necessarily like he needs his friends saved He's like, I need to be the one to save my friends. friends. Which, like, I don't know if he's a hero complex or not, because does he, does he want his friend, like, does he want Grover, does he want Annabeth to see him as the person who saved them, or just want, like, is so untrusting of other people that he doesn't think they will get saved any other way. That's true. But it's also, like, I think I think the trust thing is true, but I think he also doesn't believe that um, anybody else going on, like, specifically the people assigned to go on these quests, that it is their, you know, it's not their main motivation. Like, when Clarice was sent out to get the fleece, her motivation was to get the fleece, not to save Grover. Sorry, that I, you just made me think... Like, we're talking about Sea of Monsters and Titan's Curse, it's like that, but it's also like that in Lightning Thief, because he doesn't go he doesn't, on his, he doesn't even go on oh his own God. quest to save the light, to find the lightning bolt, or he save- He does it only to save his mom. Whoa, sorry, wow. That was a this, good point. This man is only motivated, like, in this weird, like, bowl of very selfless and selfish yeah. way. He really only cares about the pe- <laughs> people he cares about. Like, not in a bad way, but, like... Yeah, and in this this quest, like, Zoe Nightshade, Ava, this is not a dig, uh, but, like, she only cares about um, saving Artemis. Yeah, Zoe... She doesn't care about Annabeth. I would say Zoe and Percy have the same motivation, which is why there's huge conflict, because they are both pretty selfish in their motivations for what they want to do which is kind of why but it's saving other people close to them so is it selfish it's so confusing i literally i think that this episode is just going to be us like does percy have a hero complex maybe maybe (laughs) Maybe not like maybe i don't know like hmm. oh go ahead ava i think it at least seems like he does because he knows how to use like the quests and the situations that are in front of him like, he feels entitled to, like, going and doing what he wants. And he 
is able to frame it as serving other people, you know? Like, he's able to, like, mm. take quests and be like, okay, cool, like, I'll do this because this is an opportunity to do, to save this person or to save this person or, like, that's more important in my storyline, you know, than, like, the rest of the camp. Like, I'll totally help them, too. But, like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he really has a compulsive need to save his friends. Yeah. And this, like, literally, I wrote this down in the chapter. It says, I don't know what I was thinking, but I wanted to get it away from my friends. Like, he... The, so there is an error of of selflessness in this, like, he's willing to put himself in harm's way in order to save other people in a way that's detrimental to himself. Um, but it's not completely selfless, because I would say a completely selfless act is something that you get no reward from, and I think you do get a reward from, <laughs> from your friends being saved, you know? Ooh. Which kind of... Interesting. I oh. think it's like small scale selflessness, larger scale selfishness. <laughs> Weirdly, this there's an episode of Friends where uh, Phoebe's like, there, there. I don't actually, I don't remember who's. Someone says there's no such thing as a selfless act. Phoebe's either the one who says it or tries to prove that there is such a thing as a selfless act. I don't remember the plot, and I'm gonna kill myself that I didn't remember that. Okay. But there is an episode of Friends exactly about this. But the question is like. Yeah, is that selfless or selfish to want to save people close to you? This is a very, very deep philosophical question that I don't know if three college sophomores can get to the bottom of. (laughs) But it's interesting that a children's book is raising that question. (laughs) You know? Right? And I feel, I was thinking about, like, Rick had to he made such a conscious decision to write all of Percy's motivations, or at least he, he probably made a conscious decision to write all of Co- Percy's motivations to be saving other people because otherwise him just sneaking on all these quests would make him like pretty hateable and you can't have a hateable main character, you know? So exactly. And like, there was no way to justify him going on a this many quests. You know, without him having to sneak on a couple. And to justify that, it was just to care about other people and to do it for other people. And it shows how little he cares about the gods. If we want to somehow connect it back to capitalism, Brayden. Um, It shows that he is not motivated really to save anything regarding, like, he sort of gets himself mixed up in this chronos business of overthrowing the gods and i think he understands the severity of like what that would mean for his life and like the rest of it if the titans were to overthrow but he is not really doing anything in these first three books out of motivation to like save the gods it's all to save his the people close to him i was gonna say i was exactly gonna say (laughs) say that and like relating it's like like he doesn't care about this system that they are, their side is fighting to uphold. He cares about the consequences of demolishing the system. He's like, but, uh, he, he really 
he expresses that he doesn't agree with the gods and how the gods behave. He doesn't particularly like them and complains about them frequently, but he knows that the system that the gods perpetuate does things to protect his friends and his mother um, and the camp, uh, the camp as a whole. And so he fights for his his friends and his family, but he doesn't fight for the gods or the system. Yes. He, the vibes, um, it reminds me of, like, the people, (laughs) I can't, um, he reminds me of, um, the people who are kind of like, okay, I'll get to the top so I can ruin it from the inside, you know? And I have the most respect for that kind of strategy. Oh, definitely. I think it's so, like, mm, like, perfect. Um, it's really, this book is just so fascinating because, when we're thinking about Percy in the context of like, oh, wow, like, is he secretly a selfish person because even wanting to save the people you love, you only love them because of the things that they, you know, have made you feel or have done for you? Like, is it all to protect this, like, landscape of emotion, blah, 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 whatever. But then Dionysus's involvement in this is like a 180 because of this whole theseus and ariadne thing because his whole issue with heroes probably comes from his issue with theseus but that's selfless okay so like one of the ways the myth goes is like theseus abandons ariadne on a beach and dionysus finds her on the beach and falls in love with her and he feels awful that theseus has just left her because it's completely ruined her so is his hatred for heroes selfless because he someone that he loves had like a terrible experience with one i i don't know i think and i think that raises an interesting question i think we often think of selfishness and selflessness as like it's good to be selfless and it's bad to be selfish but i think your your question raises the question that like is one innately like bad or is one innately good or are they just separate states? Uh, because you can be selfless and in that selfless act still be harmful. Completely. Mm. I think selflessness is really kind of, it's twisted and it's glorified in a lot of ways. And like to the point where, I mean, it's obviously a wonderful attribute. I feel like if you do it right, but like, selfishness is is demonized in a way that like selfishness can be twisted to be like nothing should ever be about you like never put yourself first ever because that's selfish and that's bad and I'm like that compromises what you can do for others if you want to look at it that way like if you ruin yourself as an individual because you don't want to be quote-unquote selfish and don't have time for like self-care like figuring out what makes you happy and rejuvenated like you're not going to be able to be there for other people you know you know so it's like you need both i don't know it's just odd if like if we're all selfless there's no selves to to be helping or like working for right true true we did it (laughs) we solved it this is a little bit off 
what we were saying, but I had a literal breakthrough in talking about the, um, how Percy doesn't care about the gods before. The true person with a hero complex in this is Luke. I was just gonna say that! <laughs> Cause, and it shows that, like, because he comes up in this for, like, 30 seconds, um, and he's just sort of a wingman in this situation. But Percy says how he looks awful and how he's been obviously depleted by whatever this thing is, the general, that he's been working alongside. But he is has a hero complex with fully selfish motivations. And he thinks it's not selfish, but it it's really just about the trauma he went through and he is placing onto every other kid at the camp. While they went through similar trauma, you can't say that all of their experiences were your own. Um, and he is being there. He's rising up to this station through these terrible means by assuming that he's the hero for everybody and then ends up fucking them all over or almost does. And that's just a very interesting comment that I think was made through the characters. Cause you could argue that Percy has a hero complex, but you can't argue that Luke doesn't have one. Like there is no way you can say that he does not have a hero complex because he believes he's standing up for everybody when really he's just standing up for himself and did the entirely wrong route in doing so. Because Luke fundamentally believes he is right the entire time. Even at the end when he has a change of heart, is like Kronos, like, ooh, maybe this is bad. That doesn't mean he doesn't believe that what he was fighting for is right. He mm-hmm. fully believes in dismantling the gods and destroying capitalism <laughs> the entire time. And the reason that things get so twisted and uh like dark and dangerous are because he needs to be the the hero of this movement so badly that he's willing to compromise his own values his own personhood he gives up himself to host chronos because he wants to be seen as the one who destroyed the gods also because he can't deal with something that doesn't center him like he feels like he's it's a little ironic that like Percy's the main character because like Luke so thinks he's the main character like (laughs) he totally thinks he's the main character in the sense of like oh every change of heart that I have every decision that I make reflects this entire movement's changing whatever and I'm like you're just privileged in every way and have never considered that there are whole entire worlds besides your own so that's why you think that and so I feel like that's totally like that's like the breeding ground for hero complex you know is like thinking that your narrative is the one that everyone else is built off of um yeah yeah definitely there's something else I was gonna say and I can't remember it now oh um sort of in relation to Luke being the most sort of hero complex set up in the book I think, like, Grover is the least so. Because his whole thing is, like, technically you can spin it to say, like, 
his position, like, as a satyr, it's to ignore something relatively selfless in itself, finding a lost god. So you ignore that, and you're sent on a quest to help someone potentially fulfill their own hero complex. You're helping them do that, even if you don't believe in that. Like, I just think that's, wow, you know? I would agree. I feel like Grover sacrifices a lot of his own personal uh, desires to help his friends in a way that uh, Percy wants to save his friends, but Grover just wants to be there to do what they need him to do. And, like, he... Percy and Grover both really care about helping their friends, but Percy centers himself in that narrative, and uh, Grover sidelines himself in that narrative um and i think it's just interesting to watch that dynamic because they have similar motivations but it it works out differently between both of them and i think just overall he's a very selfless character because like because of all of that and his his own personal desire his main goal is to find pan to save the environment this man just cares about global warming and his friends. Iconic, really. Truly. I've come to the conclusion that Grover is my comfort character in this book series. Definitely in this book. Anything else we have to say? I'm good. I think that was a good analysis. I thought that was a, a, a great conversation about that. Ugh. We I'm are so, very smart people. We are very smart people. Look at us. Analyzing this. YA read <laughs> to There's everything some... it's worth. <laughs> yeah. Digging crumbs out of this children's book. <laughs> yep. So, Percy's ass moments, but not just Percy's ass moments because they haven't been Percy's ass moments since the first couple couple uh, episodes. Chapters, but, yeah. But uh, sass moments in general, funny, funny times. <laughs> I actually didn't have any this week. You didn't have any? I have two. I also have two. I gave a lot last week, so I'm just going to let you guys... You did give a lot last week. That's fair. Okay. I'll do my two. Because... Okay, the first one could be... No. Actually, I don't know if any of these can be considered sass... We'll see if they fit under the umbrella term. I just thought they were funny. Um, This one was, like, really, like, I had to think about it for a second. Um, This is why I don't use mortals, Luke said. They are unreliable. They are weak-minded, easily bought, and violent, the general said. I love them. That was one of mine, too. (laughs) Lot to unpack there. That was so... I I laughed out loud. That was so (laughs) funny to me. Now we all wonder... (laughs) Why? <laughs> they are so selfish and weak-minded. I love, I love them. them. I was like, whoa! Yeah. Uh, Brady, do you want to go just in case my other one is also yours? Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> uh, mine is Dionysus. Uh, the prophecy says at least two of you will die. Perhaps I'll get lucky and you'll be one of them. <laughs> I do remember that one. I just love that he's like, yeah, you can go. Because, like... I kind of got my bets placed on you not coming back. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my second one is just Zoe Nightshade speaking. Um, it 
is the general is here zoe looked stunned that is impossible you lie the way that she speaks is so funny to me um and i know it's because she was born forever ago and it's like she speaks very um i can't think of the word the only word coming to mind is antique um (laughs) (laughs) but she speaks very old-fashioned and just the line of that is impossible you lie makes me laugh for no reason he lies yeah he do be lying (laughs) yeah that's all mine i love how she speaks it's so funny when at one point when they were like no no no, don't say thou that was dumb say your and she's like (laughs) your yeah very funny offerings oh i was debating but i honestly am going to give it to percy Whoa. I was thinking about that too. Whoa, Percy. First... Percy is this is the first offering for Percy. Five episodes in. I genuinely the... think it's the first time he's deserved it. This is the um, first time Percy has done good in this. It is. And like he he did make just all the right moves in these chapters. He really said, Blackjack, you can go home. You're tired. Um and he use the invisibility cap like correctly <laughs> and um got all this vital information and then helped kill the monster he just did a good job this week i can't even lie and i know we don't normally say that about percy so i think that he should get credit when credit is due because it may be another five or six weeks before he does <laughs> again so this, this is praising a straight white man for doing the bare minimum <laughs> Listen, <laughs> a little more than the bare minimum this time. I, uh, I do more exceed, than the bare minimum. He did it exceed would've... the bare minimum. It was it was not helpful for him to for Jack Black to go home or Black Jack to go home. Okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Honestly. it was like not helpful for him. It was actually kind of harmful because now he had to just rely on being able to like catch up with them. Because Honestly, Black Jack when Jack bought Black left. <laughs> detrimental but it was not saying that anything is truly a selfless act considering our last conversation but it was a selfless move of sort okay (laughs) okay okay (laughs) i'm so i'm struggling because i want to give it to grover now after our conversation but like he didn't really do anything in these chapters just do it just Just from our okay I know, well, he actually he does. He comes in clutch with those um the pan pipes at the True. end. True, king, king. Look oh. at him. All right, <laughs> Ava. Okay, I'm gonna give mine to to Blackjack um, <laughs> for leaving. Because <laughs> he's doing what's best for him. He has been so selfless, and now he's practicing self care. Okay, Listen, he's doing it. Also. The little, the Jack Black (laughs) moment geeked me to no end. And I will now be referring to Black Jack as Jack Black. I like how that's the only reason you're giving them, like, (laughs) one of the reasons you're giving him the offering. Yeah. I mean, well, because I didn't know that that mix-up was right there in front of my eyes. I I agree. I never anticipated that happening, but it's so blatant. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, it's not a hard mix-up, but I never saw it coming the the card game 
Blackjack. It's so close to Jack Black. <laughs> There's a whole world of Jack Black related humor that we, we have now we have now accessed. Guys, I'm sorry. I think we've reached the end of that world. I think it's the name of this whole <laughs> game. I think that's it. I'm sure there's something else. Mm. We're not thinking about it. Right <laughs> no, right? Anyways, who are we voting about? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Because I don't know if anyone did particularly bad. <laughs> I mean, besides like Luke. Um, oh, I, I'm going to give it to the zombies. I'm giving it to the guards that brought the wrong teeth. <gasps> that was so funny. No, but that was a great mix-up. Okay, like, <laughs> fine, but, like, honestly, now they're well, a bunch they, of... Okay, so, like, technically, they did bad. So I'm giving it to them. Okay. Interesting. I really have nothing, because I, I honestly agree. I don't think anyone did a particularly bad job in these chapters. Um, Who was in these chapters? I think... Um, Fair. Like, it um, was mostly Percy, and that's why Percy got a, got an offering this week. Because there was not a lot of content from other characters. I think Dionysus did a good job because he, he stuck to his guns. Um, um, I don't know what's not basic to say. I mean, Dr. Thorne was in it, and like he's a manticore, so that sucks. Like, um, see, but I don't think, like... Dr. Thorne or Atlas really did anything. Yeah, they just did what they were supposed to do. You know, it's hard to it's hard to to blame a villain for doing just like generic villain things. They didn't do mm-hmm. even do exciting villain things. They just like sent a lion. It's like, okay. Like that's not good, but like do you yeah. deserve <laughs> to be punished for it? No who deserves to be punished? The zombies for looking like that. Aww. I don't like it. I don't vibe. I don't like that they're both skeletons and zombies at the same time. It makes me uncomfortable. Who um who planted the the right teeth? <laughs> the other guard? Is it the then, guard who Then it's for him because he took um half lives away from kittens. <laughs> and I wanted more of them. So 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 we have the zombies, guards who brought wrong teeth, and guards who brought right teeth. Yeah. Because honestly, I think everyone did a good job. I can't well. believe. I mean, the time is over, but I can't believe I didn't give it to Zoe Nightshade because she literally was like, here's the fur. Like, take it. You can come. <laughs> That's true. That's Very true. Very nice fur. So... I'm not taking back my blackjack answer, but uh, it's commendable on her part. Yeah, very. Yeah. This week we have a little special voice message from one of our listeners. Uh, she sent in a voice message for us, and I thought we'd listen together on air. It's from Bailey Scarborough, and uh, we'll let her take it away. Hi, guys. I'm Bailey. Um I love your podcast so much. You guys are so funny. I look forward to your episodes coming out every week. I love, I love feeling like I'm just like spending time with fellow Riot and Verse nerds. I love Percy Jackson. I always have. When I was a kid, I would always like dress up as Annabeth or Talia or whoever for Halloween. And 
I just, I love them so much. And I love hearing y'all's endeavors, (laughs) I guess. Also, well, just making things a little gay because it's fun. Yay. (laughs) But bye. You think we're funny? (laughs) (laughs) That made me so happy. Also, enough serotonin for the year. That was so sweet. Right? That made me so happy. Um, We're really glad that you find us funny. You Um, think we're funny? (laughs) Not many do. That's why we're friends. (laughs) And and we're very happy to make things a little little more gay and just... I... Listen here. (laughs) This is my... She said, listen here. Listen Listen up, up. y'all, because this This is is it. Official declaration that as long as I live, I will always make things a little gay. (laughs) Hell yes. It's my job. (laughs) Uh, And if anyone else wants to call in with a voice message yeah feel free to and we'll we'll listen to it on air and respond uh yes if you just want to say hi or give us your own offerings or or ask a question (gasps) yeah feel free or a little hot take yeah hot takes always appreciate a quick little i love to argue a quick little hot take (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, folks that's all for this week Join us next week where we will be talking about chapters 11 and 12. Grover gets a Lamborghini and I go snowboarding with a pig and we are looking at the theme of kinship. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media. We are at Return to Camp on all the platforms that matter and we also have a Patreon, a Redbubble store, and a website. ReturnToCamp.com I'm very excited for next week because I have no idea in anticipation of what happens in these chapters. No. <laughs> I do. Literally no clue. I was like, there's a Lamborghini and a pig? <gasps> oh. I remember at this point, like, I literally, these middle chapters between them leaving and Bianca dying, <laughs> like, no recollection. I agree. Bianca died way earlier in this book because I completely forgot about these middle parts. Does Aphrodite show up here? Why am I thinking that? Is that wrong? Is this out of pocket? I, I don't know. See next week for that. We'll find out next week on yeah. Return to Camp Half Blood. <laughs> Goodbye. See you then. Bye. Bye.